Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. FBL in the morning. As Andy Mitchell said it best on the draft selection show, yes, this draft has had more seasons than community. Ten seasons, in fact. We may have moved feed, but we've never been cancelled. So where the fuck's our movie, eh? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> all in good time, I suppose. Welcome to what I describe as the AEW Rampage of ESSR, and it's the shortest, yet most action-packed and easily digestible show that you'll have on the feed, i.e. making it the best. And we are like that weird four-man commentary team, because yes, all four of the Sad Draft Life hosts are here together. This is one of those special episodes you'll get every so often this season. It's like our Avengers-style team-up, when we all get together uh, for a common goal of questioning other people's decisions, and maybe each other's. Uh, I am your host for today, Scott McLeod. I am the Mark Henry of this group. Not exactly a sexual chocolate, I've been more described as sexual marmite. <laughs> Over hate. She hates it. I don't care. I'm already asleep. <laughs> and introducing first last year's uh, winner, joining the two timers club. He is our Excalibur, in that he wears a mask so the people in car parks don't recognise what he gets up to uh, of a weekend. His Jack Graham. <laughs> yes, that's right. Frequent to car parks, frequent to winning things twice. I'm here. Jack Graham is here. Mm-hmm. And it's always good to have you here. And now we have, it's it's our Taz of ESSR. Because if you've ever listened to the shite that comes out of Taz's mouth on an episode of AEW Dark, it's clear he has as much enthusiasm about being on AEW Dark as this man has about having Dark in the draft altogether. And he okay. finally achieved his goal of getting rid of it completely. Uh, unfortunately, when he makes these hundreds of returns, he doesn't get quite the same reaction as Taz did that one night in Madison Square Garden. It is David Campbell. Yes, every form of dark is gone. It is a happy day. I'm going to win this season. First ever three-time champion. Very, 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 very happy after the draft selection show. And that just leaves one man left. And, you know, the only other commentary on and Rampage is Jericho. And I think it's very fitting. Because if you saw our most recent quiz showdown, it's clear... If it comes to becoming Quiz Showdown champion, this man will never, ever <clears throat> be Quiz Showdown champion, at least as long as I'm around. <laughs> Hello, David Talkney. Hey, listen, I will get there eventually. Eventually I'll get there. But you know what? Much like Le Champion, I do enjoy a little bit of the bubbly. That's the spirit, Dave. You, <laughs> you, keep, your, you, you keep your chin up. Anyway, now we ha- we are here to discuss the team selected earlier this week for the biggest draft season ever. Fifteen teams, to be exact. And there's a lot to cover, so I thought I'd go around everybody and talk about who in the draft made the most surprising pick to you or the uh, most out-there potential pick. So I think I'll go in the order we just went there. So Jack, I'll start with you. Who's... Made the most surprising pick to you uh, on the draft night? Um, I guess 
I won't go surprising as an order that it was picked. I guess maybe just like surprising overall. And I think for me, Daniel Bryan is the mm-hmm. the most surprising. Obviously, as he has went round five, and that's uh, if you're going to take a Russian major, you you got to take it in round five. But there's the when when is he going to debut? Is he going to debut? We 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 don't know. But you've got to respect someone taking a punt like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was on Stephen Wilson's team. Another two-time winner, average Samoa Joe's. Is that, is that is he the one's got average Samoa Joe's? Yeah, he's average Samoa Joe's. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't have Samoa Joe on his team. He also <laughs> he does have RK Bro, which even if they break up, at least they'll be in segments together. He got Damien Priest. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> uh, Nicky Cross. Uh, and then you look at his last three picks. You said about Daniel Bryan. There's a there's talk that he is heavily rumored to be appearing in New York in September, so it would be part of the season. He would at least have some appearances. Uh, Candice LeRae might make some appearances, and then Adam Page as well. Who mm. you don't know if when he'll return, if it will be part of the season. So you know he's taken. Is it fair to say he might be taking the risk on these last three picks he's got because you know two of them we don't know. When they're going to show up, and Kenneth Lorraine, we don't know how much longer she'll be around. He's fucked himself. Yeah, like Candice Lorraine, I'm genuinely shocked at because usually, if someone's written off because of pregnancy, they don't usually appear on TV at all. Like, look at Becky Lynch, look at Lacey Evans in the past 18 months. As soon as they announced pregnancy, they were away. So, why Stevens picking Candice Lorraine now? You know, maybe he's banking on maybe a couple of appearances, but it wasn't worth a draft selection over some of the other round four picks. No, I, d- I disagree. With, I disagree with Dave on Candice Lorraine. I disagreed with all he's in draft night. And I'll say it again: she'll be there for all of that wedding stuff, um, and she'll be on TV. This is a short season. I do not think Candice Lorraine is as bad a pick as all of you are making it out to be. I think Stephen has shot himself in the foot just taking too many risks in those later rounds. Archibro, Damian Priest, and Nikki Cross were a fantastic backbone to his team that could have been a contendership team. I've been serious about that. I mean that. But you can't have Adam Page when you don't know when he's coming back and Daniel Bryan and you don't know where or when he's going to you know, show up next. You can't have both of them in your team. You know what I mean? I just think that he needed a safe bet he's taken too many risks and that is what will shoot Stephen in the foot I don't think Candice is an issue as much as you guys are making it out to be I think I'd agree in that he did seem to start out fairly safe and then decided to start taking some risks and I think he, he overdid it in the end because RK Bro and Damien Priest especially if they keep RK Bro together for you know at least a decent run as tag team champions them alongside Damien Priest hopefully defending the US title regularly those two especially could be the backbone of his team. And mm. when it comes to Candice LeRae, I know some people are questioning it, but you aren't, Campbell. But I said it on the night of the selection. I think female picks are sometimes harder. You know, like Especially ones that will get you the consistent appearances and will be featured in a high-profile spot. Mm. Uh, I mean, we've been lucky that Sonya Deville has been appearing in this non-wrestling capacity because she's been a top point scorer before. But when you look at the the up and down the main roster, especially, it's hard enough in a regular season. Now you've got like like all these other teams added in, so that's all the more female picks, and you need to have that split. And then you got people choosing a couple of females in the tag team round. It's like it's not easy to find a female pick this season. No, no not at all. Not at all. And it never is, um, especially it comes down to a lack of depth in the female rosters on both WWE side, and I'll still say AEW side as well. A lot of them were reduced to dark, which obviously doesn't count this season. Um, 
but I think, to be honest, I don't think Stephen has done the worsted female pick. I think there's teams that we could talk about in this draft where their female picks are going to be completely obsolete to their championship chances this season. Yeah, because don't forget everybody that the winner of this season doesn't get a draft opportunity. They get the actual championship itself, which is very important to think about. But, Ken, we'll come to you. Mm. Uh, who do you think, uh, you look at people's teams, who do you think has got a pick in there, at least one or two picks that are like maybe a bit out there, or maybe well, uh, surprising to you on the night that they were picked? I'll do the opposite of what Jack did. He's talking about surprise overall. I'll, I'll talk about surprise of where they were picked. Um, and it's CM Punk in round one for Grant. Me and Dave debated it the last week before the draft took place at the end of the season. Dave said he thought he'd go Punk in round one. Um, and I said that I don't think he should. Jack was also saying this in the draft night. CM Punk is contracted to what I believe is 12 matches uh, for the year during his contract. Now, pay-per-view matches, they'll probably win, he'll probably go on a good run, that's fair enough. But do I think that that constitutes CM Punk being a round one pick when the round one picks above him, Belly, Rollins, Priest, Ripley, Big E, Charlotte Flair, Drew McIntyre, Becky Lynch, most of them will be wrestling on TV, like on a sort of weekly basis. So... I think your round one pick has to be that linchpin that is going to get you those guaranteed television wins as well as coming in clutch at the pay-per-view. I don't think Grant has that with Punk in round one. And that's just, I could be proven wrong, but I don't think that he will be a strong round one pick for him this season. Hmm. Did, did Grant put the captaincy on Punk? He did. I mean, I think if he's appearing, he's regularly on uh, Dark and Elevate, Dark and, not, not Dark, he's <laughs> He's appearing regularly on Rampage and Dynamite. And he's got a game, so that will add a little bit. And then, as long as he wins the matches that he does appear, I think that'll help make up the points. I mean, I, I always thought Punk was going to go in round one. It just depended who was going to pick him. It was probably going to be a later round one pick. Uh, I'm not going to lie and pretend that I wouldn't have picked him if he was somehow still available when he got to me. I would have been tempted. And I think of everybody, Grant, the most indie person on this podcast, of course he picked him first. <laughs> Uh, I think I think there's more justification though. If like, obviously Scott, we drafted the last last two positions in round one. It, obviously, I, I I still wouldn't agree with going around at that point. But at least there is kind of maybe some more justification as to when Grant took him. For example, you had you managed to get Miro fourteenth, mm-hmm. far a far 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 better round one pick. They'll probably outscore CM Punk miles miles away. Same with same with Finn Balor, same with Malachi Black. There's like there's there's picks that should have went before CM Punk. I think that the namesake has pulled CM Punk into around one position. Mm-hmm. I don't even think Punk's, well, I don't think the Punk's the most questionable pick on Grant's team. I think his choice of tag team stands out like a source of amongst everybody else's with 2.0. And everyone can say, yeah, they've been featured a lot. They've been winning matches on Elevation and Dark, which don't count anymore. So when they appear on the shows that do count, they have been picking up losses. Yeah, they're against top names, but they're not winning those matches. So... Yeah. I, I very much question that. That and the fact that the first three picks he picked uh, 2.0, Punk, Gravada, all AEW picks, then he picked two NXT picks and done to work today. Then he's only got one main roster, a WWE pick in Zelina Vega. Dave, what do you think about, Grant? Do you think the first half of his team is a bit uh, main AEW uh, heavy? What do you think about you know, the kind of balance between shows that he's got oh, here? Oh, for fuck's sake. Well, don't, I don't think... sake me here. Well, I think Grant you know, he's sort of sticking to what he knows. You know, AEW's got no shortage of talent, and I think he's sticking to, 
you know, some a product he watches more regularly because he doesn't watch a lot of WWE. But I think he sort of uh, countered that, you know, with some late WWE picks in the sort of fourth and fifth round. Zelina Vega, you know, she was featured on SmackDown this weekend, could be there or thereabouts around maybe as a secondary feud in the women's title picture. So she could get there in terms of appearances. In terms of wins, though, I think she's a little bit down the pecking order for that. Whereas Dakota Kai seems a little bit more up in the air at this point, you know, because she's been wrestling dark matches for Raw and SmackDown lately. Is she going to go to the main roster? Hard to tell at this stage. But, you know, could she stay in NXT? Again, not something to, to rule out of completely. But I think Dakota Kai is a big question mark. A big question mark at this stage. I'll call it a Grant's finishing. This will be Grant's worst season. I, I I don't think he's drafted well. I think it's. I don't think the team's good. I think he's a contender for finishing dead last. Look at that team. Where do the points come from? Where do the wins come from? You know what I mean. There isn't. There's no big players there. There's good wrestlers, yeah. But I I don't I don't see point scorers in that team. That's that's no, just I, what I, I just, think. No, I disagree. I think CM Punk's going to be his big scorer, and sometimes all it takes is like you know one player to stand out above to at least you know avoid being last place. But, but Davey, he wrestles twelve times a year. You know what I mean? He's not going to keep up with the likes yeah. of McIntyre or Flair or e- Big E. So twelve times a year, and we're looking at a, a three month period here. So he's going to have at least a couple of matches in there. Yeah, he's got a very like, two matches. Yeah, but am I talking Swahili here? Like, two <laughs> matches compared to McIntyre, Flair, Big E having countless matches on television. You know go, what I mean? Go, like, go, go, go. Akuna Matata. Oh, God. Don't bring the Lion King into this, Dave. <laughs> or the but, Lion uh, King, too. Don't. Uh, I, I don't think he'll finish the last. I do think he's shot himself on the foot here by picking 2.0 because I think even if Punk does score big in the times, he does show up. Guevara and Dunn, I think, are these two, will be his two most regular picks in terms of getting wins here, because Dunn's putting himself back in the NXT title scene. But he's also kind of a partner slash manager, almost a Ridge Holland. So whenever Holland appears in his own thing, Dunn will be probably there. Guevara seems to be the most regular uh, wrestler on his team here. But I think if he'd picked a better team than 2.0, by the end of the season, we're going to see, like, yeah, 2.0 was the anchor kind of holding Grant down. Eventually, maybe a place higher than he could have. So, Dave, we'll go to you next for uh, for who you think had the one that was surprising or most like out there picked. Whether it's just the fact that they were picked or the order in which they were picked. Mm. Well, I've already sort of made my feelings clear about how I felt about Candice LeRae and Adam Page. You know, again, may or may not appear, but one that actually stood out for me, and I think. You know, I was expecting him to go last round, but being in the fourth round, I think, you know, there's a bit of faith behind him. Ross picking Carmelo Hayes, you know, somebody who's just had a bit of a breakout moment, but that's not to say, you know, he's going to capitalize on his big, you know, championship match. You know, who's to say, you know, he gets this one big surge of, you know, maybe he gets a couple of wins here and there, but then he sort of falls down the pecking order. That's my biggest concern about Carmelo Hayes. But I think Ross has actually done a done something quite interesting by picking him up when he did because again like I said I would, I would have saved someone like Carmelo Hayes for a fifth round pick just as a sort of a safety net but he seems to be putting a lot of faith in Carmelo Hayes being a success in NXT yeah there's no guarantee that Carmelo Hayes will, will win his championship opportunity but after that it's what they do with him after that I think is there's all this talk about NXT moving back to the more developmental style of things, so maybe a guy like him can, you know, get used regularly on NXT. I think Russ can on that. I think a lot of people would have probably forgotten about Carmel Hayes, which is why Russ was able to get him 
it's a silly stage and we'll see how much of a benefit that was as the season goes on. But Ross's team, Glamis, uh, Indy, Rock and Roll, uh, not only just a killer preference, but also given the fact he's got Indy Hartwell on his team, I, I really like that. And once, <laughs> and once again, uh, we say this all the time, Jack, Ross, a great team on paper here. Jurassic Express, Big E, uh, Indy Hartwell, Dominic Mysterio, Carmelo Hayes, and Tony Storm. Now, Storm and Hayes, you know, they're the, probably the two more questionable bits because Storm isn't, people forget she's technically part of the match, and she's had one or two matches. But, you know, I don't think we've seen a lot of her recently. Uh, Hayes, you don't know what's going to happen with his opportunity here. Uh, the others, I think, are all still up, especially if Big E win catches in successfully this season. So, how do you think Ross's chances will change from previous seasons where it seems to start well and kind of go downhill? Uh, I, I don't think it'll win. I think it'll just be solid solid mid-table to maybe kind of upper mid-table, I guess. I think, like, I, I wanted Jurassic Express. I think a lot of folk maybe would have thought of taking Jurassic Express to be one to the Young Bucks. Possibly they lost last night in Rampage. They're not going to be in that steel cage match against Dave's Young Bucks. I think Tony Storm will come out good. I think that is a good round five pick, especially after as this rumoured Queen of the Ring tournament. He's, she's going to be in it, and she will no doubt be on the SmackDown Survivor Series team as well. So I think having that in there, and I, I, I think for round five will be absolutely fine. I think I don't think Carmel Hayes is a good pick. I don't uh, for, the, for the short season that it is. I don't see Samoa Joe, Isaiah Swerve, Scott like losing their, their championships at any point. The only one, only kind of NXT title I can see losing is probably Kushida with the Cruiserweight title. I, but then again, Roderick Strong never got picked up. So Kushida I, never got picked either. So I think, I think it's more the, the the draw of Hayes having that guaranteed title match where he could win, but he probably won't win. So I, I, I don't think there's enough in Ross's team to get him into that championship contender spot. Mm. I, I think he has an Achilles finish in a high spot, but yeah, we'll talk about the Cruiserweight title. I very nearly did pick Strong, and um, my last pick before going with who I eventually went with. And you know, I could have went with Kushida given he was left, he was still available at the last stage. But you know, I've been burned by him before. You know, I can't let my heart open my heart to him again, only to have it broken. So <laughs> I think I'll move to who I think is the most surprising, and not surprising in that oh, it's a question, you know, if it's a good choice. No, I question in that I. It stands out because of how much I kind of love it. And it's the fact that Gary Kernan once again outshines everyone <laughs> in the tag team picks. Welcome oh, you, dear. JR and Tony Savoni as a tag team. Oh, Only to then get Excalibur as a first round pick. You know, didn't choose to collect the whole set. Didn't go after Taz later. I think Dak got him later on. But, you know, I think he knew likely MVP who he's kind of relied on in the past of uh, where we're going to get taken and. He knew probably someone was going to want Tony Giovanni as a singles pick, so he, you know he's he's like it's another stroke of genius, I think. Yeah, it's the ultimate lesson in draft shit. How say? Um, I think Jack alluded to it at the selection show. It was it was tactical more than it was about getting points for himself. He was taking Giovanni off the board for someone. The the, the thing is though, with it, he might have been okay uh, in actually getting Giovanni as a singles pick because you look at how everything sort of lined up in that first round, I question whether someone would have given up who they picked uh, in the end up for Tony Schiavone. So he could have shot himself in the foot, having said that. It was a great draft moment. That's what it's all about. He's taking a risk. He's taking a swing. I don't think Gary's going to finish very high this season. However, it made for good television. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, because you've talked about him as the greatest player to never 
in the draft, but as, as good as Imola that was when he got Jaren Chavon as a tag team, the rest of his team, basically for someone who's usually as good as a guy, you know, he's never one to usually like change picks for like a transfer window or anything mm. like that. You look at the rest of the Excalibur, again, you know, regular on Dynamite, then Carrying Cross, and you know, his booking's been questionable right now. Cameron Grimes, you know, <laughs> we seem to have hope, high plans for him on NXT. Tamina, me for fuck's sake. Uh, and then Io Shirai, who, despite being one half of the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, is doing sweet FA, seemingly at the minute. So, uh, oh, mate, I mean, I like, we like Yari, and he's, he's finished very high in the last few seasons, but uh, just, I, I'm trying to question some of these picks. I don't really know what mm. to say. He's, uh, I think Gary's taking a bit of a YOLO approach here. I mean, who <laughs> in their right mind takes Excalibur in round one? Like, that's madness considering you know look at who's been picked in round two straight afterwards like scott got miro afterwards who was a big scorer last season why didn't gary choose like miro for example it's it's baffling to think so i i really don't know what his strategy was unless he wanted just guaranteed points every week you know when it came to to even just commentary purposes i mean if that was what he was going for then fair play to him he's got the consistency there but is it going to be big points though not a chance so I really don't see, I really couldn't comprehend why he chose a commentator in round one, especially when he's already got two other commentators as his tag team. The only hope I can see for him is as if Karrion Cross continues his undefeated run on Raw, despite, you know, his uh, questionable attire, shall we say. Cameron Grimes, though, has potential for a new direction, but the problem is we don't know what that new direction is. And But as the million-dollar champion, it still counts as an active championship, so he still could get championship points from there. Uh, I think Gary. Oh, was, oh, I don't think that's right. Hold because Scott never got points. Oh, right okay. well, did he not? No. Plus, plus, especially knew that he got switched out for a bloody replica. Yeah. Belt. So oh gets, yeah, he's stuck he with he a replica now. Gary gets championship points for a fucking replica belt. <laughs> I didn't get it when the guy had the actual million dollar belt. I'll fucking mm. quit this thing right now. I'll never come it looks, back. It looks as though that belt's been retired as well. I think that was the end of the storyline with the, the DBIC disappearing uh, on NXT. It looks as though a bookend has been put under that and Cameron Grimes will move on to something else out with, with the million dollar title. Uh, well, there you go then. guess the only place he's going now is to the moon. <laughs> well, that's definitely not where Gary's going this season, I tell you that. He is, he's not the moon. He is, yeah. he is, this is probably going to be... Gary's lowest like finishing season to date. I'm calling it now. Yeah, hundred percent. We'll talk about the listening league slightly because uh, JP, the winner of last year's listening league, you know, got to be in the mix uh, with the regular draft. And also, it's a hell of a season to come into uh, from the listeners league. But yeah, we'll go you because since you're the one who loves the listening yeah. league more than anybody, JP, you know, given his position, he's drafted a hell of a team on paper. You know. At, Darby Allen's thing is the team I really wanted. And yeah. Ben Baller, Raquel Gonzalez, Johnny Gargano, L.A. Knight. And Chief <laughs> against Captain Zaro. I mean, the only complaint I might say is maybe it's a bit too NXT heavy uh, ah. those last few picks. But on paper, again, strong team, I think. So let me talk to you. Um, so JP <laughs> almost made the biggest mistake of his life because he asked me if I, if, I, if I thought that Darby Allen and Sting was a good idea for a tag team before the draft. And I told him, <laughs> I, I was like, oh. mate, if I get to that position, 
ahead of you and I, I can't get a better tag team. I will be taking them. That's how great an idea it is. So thank you very much for that, kid. Welcome to the big leagues. Fucking never do that again. Uh, but in all seriousness, I think it's a, a really, really strong team. I, I think Finn Balor is going to get some momentum in the next couple of weeks on SmackDown. He seems to be the next challenger for Reign. Some six-man tag wins alongside the Street Profits incoming for that. Raquel Gonzalez probably... A title defence left in her. You know, at least a couple of matches. Johnny Gargano involved in the wedding. Apparently the top heel in NXT going forward. LA Knight needs built back up. Casey Catanzaro, fucking non-starter, you know what I mean? But overall, I think JP's looking at a, a top half of the table finish here. Potential, just the way things shape up with other teams, a potential outside bet uh, for a championship challenger. But I think in terms of the listeners league drafts in the first season, I think JP's been the strongest out of all the call-ups we've seen so far. Mm. Jack, Dave, would you guys agree with that? No, I, I agree with you in that his team's fairly NXT heavy, but on the flip side, it's actually a very good selection of NXT superstars. You know, he's got the women's champion, Raquel Gonzalez, he's got the top heel, Johnny Gargano, and he's got a potential NXT title challenger in the form of LA Knight. Casey Catanzaro, I think, was just to sort of fill out the numbers, but she did pick up a win on NXT this week with Caden Carter, although... I think they seem to be going into a, a further feud with uh, Gigi Dolan and uh, Jade Jane, I think her name is. Uh, so I, I think she's going to be there just to sort of prop up the team, you know, with any additional booster points. Finn Balor as well. I think that's a very strong first round pick considering, you know, Finn Balor's got a universal title match next week and he could still be there and about the, the sort of main event scene on SmackDown. So on paper, JP's actually done pretty good, even if it's swaying more towards NXT. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack, I'll stick with you for this one because talking about listeners league, someone who was in the league was in last season. He had finished right about the mid of the table, and then somehow because of your fucking wheel, he got the the number one spot. Fucking that cretin Ryan Dalglish getting the number one spot. Imagine to get Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns, Becky Lynch, Brock Lesnar, Christian Cage, Reggie, and Frankie Monet. I mean, what have you done to us? If you take obviously the, the, the wheel spun, you came first, which was all great. If you gave me a tenner and the wheel spun first, that we still would have been first. You know what I mean? That was <laughs> the way the way it's the way it's as the way it's turned out. But by God, is he drafted shit? I, I won't I won't <laughs> wow. I won't tell I won't tell no I won't tell no lie. I think that the, the snake draft has 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 hampered them a bit because obviously drafting first is maybe a, a gift and a curse this this season. But obviously you got your you got your uh, your tag team in your first round pick, which is your kind of the, the ideal for first. Heyman and Reigns I think is fine, but I think you should be taking the Usos in, in front of them. And Becky Lynch also fine. But again I think you should be taking Drew McIntyre in front of Becky Lynch, which is exactly what Campbell did. So I think when Brian had his chance to draft first in each of the rounds, I don't think he's capitalised on it well. And I think the pressure got to him in the snake draft when he ended up drafting fucking Brock Lesnar. But, I know, I know. It does. The thing is, we, I've always, I've said this since day one. Whoever drafts first in previous seasons should be winning the season, right? But I actually still believe that with the snake draft implemented, because if you look at how the record scorers go to the record scorers like tab, like the gentleman in your in your handouts here. You know what I mean? Look at past pick performances. Look at the scores that some of these folk have got, like who are coming in, like Bailey season five, McIntyre for Jack season nine. These big scorers can win you seasons 
off of their own back potentially. It is not an opportunity that you pass up when you draft from those places. And Jack is right. When I seen the picks that Ryan Dugleish was making, I was like, I've won a ticket here. You know what I mean? Because getting Drew McIntyre, the most successful competitor basically in draft history, and I'm getting the Usos, who both of which last season get unbelievable scores as singles players, you know? So I agree with Jack. I don't think Ryan Dugleish has had a good draft. I think Brock Lesnar is a waste of a second round pick. Maybe take a Stephen Wilson stab at him in the fifth round, but Brock mm-hmm. Lesnar in the second round, my God, man. Oof, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think somebody was bound to fall on that trap. I think, you know, Brock's back and, you know, put him in. I think the only other time I can think of him being picked, Stacey picked him in season, season four. four. Season four. That, even that, Scott, even that, she picked him in the last round. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? At least in the middle of that, he had a successful defence against Ricochet in the middle there before yeah. he lost to Drew. So he's got or something. Whereas, you know, you talk about like Punk only being 10, 12 matches a year. I mean, Lesnar's going to be back apparently for the next year and a half according to his next deal, but only to wrestle eight matches in that time. Yeah. And probably we're going to get all of one of those in this fucking season. And I don't know if he's going to even win it. So yeah, being that high up, Christian, yeah, sure, he'll be regularly appearing. But, you know, he's probably going to start off the season with a big loss with the Omega all out. Mm-hmm. Lynch, Lynch, I can be more understanding about because I think she's back. And I think she was going to be a pick that a lot of people probably wanted. And I'm going to ask you this thing about Heyman and Reigns. Is this affected Reigns as a singles pick? Because I think you could have left, like, Reigns could always be, used to be a high, like, like singles pick. But I think now that he's become so valuable as a tag pick alongside Heyman, you think Ryan maybe picked them because he thought if he didn't pick them as a tag team, someone else would, and that would cost them for maybe getting Reigns as a singles pick? I think, Scott, the way that Roman Reigns is booked these days, you're not actually getting much more from him as a singles competitor. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because he doesn't compete that much on TV. So his TV appearances are always beside Paul Heyman, basically. So you're getting those points anyway. The only thing that you're missing out on with uh, Reigns as part of a tag team are really those pay-per-view wins. Now, Ryan is not going to get Reigns as a singles pick, like you say, because someone else has taken them as a tag team. And they've been one of the most effective tag team picks of the recent seasons. So while I agree with Jack, I don't think you pick them first. I also don't think you can call it a bad pick in both a tactical standpoint and in terms of point scoring. Mm. Interesting. I mean, there's a lot to, to talk about with these teams. But as I mentioned, we mentioned the Listeners League. 21 teams we have now uh, for this year. Listeners League, also we appreciate people, you know, coming along and getting involved. I'd like to say, you know, we're not we're supposed to be unbiased and everything, but uh, I have two people from the Rogue of Fines podcast that I'm also part of in the... Uh, Listeners League, so I'm putting my full support behind God's them. God's sake, the Listeners League just gets worse and worse, doesn't it, as it goes on? Man? <laughs> it's, like that, it's like that shit that, that just that won't quite come out, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, it just, you need to squeeze a bit more and it's just like like, like rabbit droppings, man. Honest uh, to fucking God. I've, I'm putting my support behind Carl Pierce and his team Bro Mance and uh, Anthony Fitzpatrick and his team named Corbin Stole My Wallet. Good for him. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll I'll support. Uh, you know, I'll put my uh, I'll put my support behind Thomas Fraser, whose team name is Relegate JP. 
<laughs> well, I, I don't care for any of the listeners' league because they've been speaking in that group chat and they want me relegated to the listeners' league. So I, I'm not, I don't. I don't care for them anymore. There's no there. relegation to the listeners' league. It's like a fan. You can't have an NFL player be relegated to the like, the like fantasy leagues. You know what I mean? That's not how it works. We're the players. JP was shocked at how we drafted. He's like, "What's the?" He asked, "What's the pause? How do I know who I can draft round one and round two? You draft who you want, mate, because you don't draft like the monkeys you do in the listeners' league, where you're just sort of picking the best of each round." <laughs> Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. So, uh, Campbell, still not developed mm-hmm. any love for the uh, listeners' no. league. No. But, but, you know, we've got anything. I want to talk about, I want us to talk about each other's teams and, you know, potentially mm-hmm. question each other's decisions. But, you know, there's still some other teams there. You've got Stacey's returned. Oh. Uh, season, mm-hmm. as I said, uh, and Daniel Campbell. So, you know, I don't want anybody to feel left out. So, anything to say about the last teams that we've not mentioned yet? Oh, my Can I just God. say. Stacey has. Yeah, Stacey. Dave, Dave, I believe that Scott was talking to me. So, sorry, oh, yeah, sorry oh, Scott. I was kind of throwing it out to everybody. I mentioned you because of the listeners league at the start, but you know. Well, anyway, Stacey, Stacey, oh my God, the Nikki Barden Bellas. I absolutely love this team. You're talking about <laughs> Stacey with the participation trophy. You know what I mean? Nah, it's not happening this no. season. I think Stacey. Is the dark horse for winning <laughs> because if AJ almost get like a, a good run, Bianca, I think, will win that title back. I see a hot potato program. She got a win in SmackDown last night. MGF prominent feature. All the points from the feud of John Morrison and the Miz. You know what I mean? I've won seasons banking on getting two players from the same feud because you you can't lose. You know what I mean? Stacy has a great team, man. Like she honestly does, and I think that if people are sleeping on Stacy Smith coming into this season in the draft, then they're fools. Fools, I tell you. Well, if you point, well, I find you think if you got two people who are in a tag team that are feuding, you still get the points from appearing. But what happens like if when you get when you have two singles players, one beats the other, do the points for winning and, lo- and the points you lose for? Another one losing, do they not cancel each other out? No, because you, you get, get you one. get the appearance. Yeah, you get yeah. The, you get the appearance anyway. As long as the captaincy isn't on one of them, which it's not, then you're getting the appearance point for one, and you're getting a win for the other. So it's hunky dory as far as Stacey's concerned. Fair enough. I uh, think I think that uh, my 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 contender for the participation award this season is going to Daniel. Yeah. I don't think Daniel's drafted well at all. I think that. Omega and Callis are going to pick up at some point. You, you never know the direction of Seth Rollins, and he's kind of much the same as uh, Reigns. He doesn't wrestle much in TV. Chris Jericho going to be on tour with Fozzie soon, and I don't know if he'll beat MJF all out. Eve Marie, I on TV, but I don't think she's going to be winning much TV matches. Dexter Loomis, hardly wrestling, but he's going to be featuring that wedding. And same with Shayna Baszler. There's nothing that stands out for me that's going to make him not finish last. I think Sarah's drafted really well as well from her position, but Daniel, for me, I think out of the returning people, I think potentially the worst. In Daniel's team, I do like his team name, uh, Pray Fly for a Paul Heyman guy. <laughs> and it's surprising if he does finish so low down, given that his last season, he was like a point away from winning the whole thing. Like, he got us to you by like one point, Jack. And yeah, Omega and Kyle's again have been a va- going to be a valuable tag team. Uh, Rollins, it's weird, I'm surprised that Rollins was his choice for captain. I mean, looking at the other teams and the uncertainty around them, then he's probably the best thing either them or him or Omega Callis' captains. But, you know, I'm still questioning him beat Seth being the first round pick and being uh, the captain because you know, in the first few seasons, Seth Rollins was like the MVP of the draft, I think, because 
Man City was like universal champion or he was just starting his Messiah run, so he was getting a lot of wins. But since then, you know, he's kind of been used in a position where he does lose quite a bit, but it doesn't seem to hurt him. But he does that does mean he does suffer a lot of losses. You know, he lost to Cesaro, he lost to Edge, he didn't win money in the bank. So I'm actually questioning Seth as a, as a potential captain. I don't know, Scott. I kind of disagree because after SmackDown last night, I think that Rollins will face Edge again in a contenders match. And I think Rollins will beat him this time. Now, that goes on to show that he's not going to beat Roman Reigns for the Universal title. But I think if there's a season to take that chance in Rollins, it might be this season. However, I do agree with Jack. I don't think that's enough to, to save Daniel from uh, the lower half of the table here. Mm. Uh, his team went out the window when he chose Ava Marie in the third round. Eva's not the worst pick there, Dave. I, I, like, I, th- I think is the worst pick, actually. Because she's not been on TV. Because like, she's not doing anything. At least Eva's doing something. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Like, Dave, you might not like Eva Marie's act, but it's on TV every week. And she's going to be in a prominent feud. Like, like I think there is a, there's a difference between wrestlers we don't like and wrestlers that will score points. And I think Eva will score more points than a lot of the female picks, put it that way. I agree with that. And like, hey, all points that she gets for appearance of Rhea Marie, uh, if it keeps up this current program she's in, Sarah will get similar points for her third round pick, for her second round pick, uh, Piper Niven. And she's got a strong team again up here. Kyle O'Reilly, uh, you know, maybe they have plans for him after the Adam Colford. He was actually one of my worst, like, low scoring picks. You've got Chris Statlander, who's got a match against Britt Baker at All Out. Pat McAvee, who's had to miss this last week because of yeah, COVID. Malachi Black is our first round pick and the Lucha Bros is our tie team. You know, Malachi Black's an interesting pick. I think he's a first round pick, you know, because as Alistair Black, it's been a few years since he was featured in the, the draft. And he used to be actually a, a pretty decent scorer in his early seasons, but then WWE dropped the ball with him, so he wasn't really somebody people really thought of as a pick. But now he's back as a first round pick, but he's had all of two matches so far in AEW, so... I don't know if he'll be on all out, but he is against somebody who is only going to wrestle every so often. I think I, I like Black as a pick. I think going down, I was like, uh, Sarah, 12th overall, I think, in your first round. I was like, there's maybe maybe you take Miro in front of him. I think from, I think from probably where you've actually drafted Scott, you've potentially got one of the, 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 the steals of the draft and Miro coming in 14th in the first round, but. I think as a, I think Malachi Black will do absolutely fine for Sarah. Mm. Uh, let's do wait and see. Uh, Lucha Brothers, I'm surprised they went. It took as long as it did to get the Lucha Brothers because with or without you know a potential shot at the tag titles, they are being a featured spot alongside Pac and his feud with Andrade. So I'm surprised it took as long as it did to get to them. And you talk about custody, you know, you know Scrap Daddy Adam Pierce. Oh. So I wonder is is he going to keep up his stream momentum of being one of those consistent non-wrestling picks, or are those days slowly winding down, and will it come back to bite Ryan Gallagher? And well, but the his most questionable, but I don't know why we didn't mention it earlier in the show. Picking Paul White, who is going to have a match. I I, I get it at all. He's probably going to win. No, he's definitely going to win. Uh, but I doubt he's going to have many other matches this season, and he commentates on Elevation, which is which doesn't count. And yeah. Sasha Banks. He's also got Sasha Banks, who is MIA at the minute. Yeah, and Nia Jax. Mm. It's it's a weird one. 
<laughs> so Ryan, Ryan's team will defend on when folks show up. You know, Adam Pierce. I kind of agree with you, Scott. It might surprise you, but he only seems to appear on Raw these days. That's why I was happy to get Sonia because Sonia seems to be the one now that's appearing across the both shows, Raw and SmackDown. Uh, Adam Pierce seems to be sort of Raw exclusive. He must not want to work Fridays, um, but. I do think it'll be enough. He'll still get those appearances in to maybe anchor the team. I don't think it's a disaster for Ryan, uh, but maybe not as good as he, he might have hoped if he if he chose to show up in the draft. Uh, also, Allen had a strong, a decent team. Oh, but lastly, MVP, Rhea Ripley, Adam Cole, Thunder Rosa, Wardlow, Swerve Scott. You know, this is, this, again, on paper, could be the strongest team they got because Cole... You know, could show up anywhere in the next week or so, either be on WWE TV or on AEW. Uh, Thunder Rosa was a strong pick point score for me. She wasn't even part of the AEW roster officially for most of the season. Now she's officially signed. You know, we'll wait and see what she does. Lastly, MVP again, another manager wrestler combo. It's become quite popular. Rhea Ripley, you know, maybe she'll be a contender for Queen of the Ring because, you know, they, they just keep having her, you know, get close to beating Shoutfire, just not quite doing it at the minute, but maybe she'll win Queen of the Ring. Wardlow, hmm, he's not really, I don't think we've had him, is this Wardlow's first season? It is, because I've always said that I wanted to draft Wardlow and never pulled the trigger on it, um, but I was really, he was on my list, man, he was on my list for like rounds four or five, I really wanted Wardlow, I was fuming when Alan did that. <laughs> so there you go, Alan, you know, we, we've argued in the past that, you know, he is his teams are sometimes carried by one person. Season 5 is a prime example where Cody, when he was doing a team to tail regular open challenges, where he was far above the rest of his team. But I think Alan has maybe learned from his previous like seasons and maybe he's learned from his mistakes and you know he could be a real force to reckon with in this season. I think that's everybody else other than us. We save ourselves for last, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's get into it, mate. Let's get into tearing apart each other's hopes and dreams for this season. Yeah. I'm going to go in the order that I've got everybody on the... when I'm looking at the draft sheet in front of me. So I've got David Campbell, your first. So we'll talk about you. You got the Usos, your pick second. You were very fortunate in that regard. You got the Usos and the tag round. You got Drew McIntyre, of course, because you talked about it, how much you had to take him that high. Sonya Deville, another person you've used in the past. Uh, Orange Cassidy, popular pick. Natalia, you know, she was part of my tie team, so he didn't do as well as I'd hoped. Uh, she got injured. And then you got Rick Boogs, who, you know, I think he's probably fitting for how low down he was picked. But he is going to appear regularly. I was tempted to pick him in Nakamura as a tag team. But, you know what, Dave, I think you've taken full advantage of being uh, like number two, especially given the snake draft element. I've never drafted this high. You said <laughs> it in draft night. I've never had the chance. It happened to be the one time the snake draft was implemented, man, because I, I tell you the damage that I would have been able to do if there was no snake draft, man. I would have been so confident to say outright that the season was in the bag, but... The way things have worked out, I'm still confident that I will win this season. The Usos and McIntyre should have went to Douglas. He fucked up there. Sonia Deville, the most consistent of the female picks, in my opinion, because she appears across both brands. Orange Cassidy is always on TV. Rick Boogs, always on TV. Natalia, like, no great, right? Not going to lie about Natalia. You know what I mean? She's a boring-ass pick, but she's a champion, at least, you know? 
maybe another title defence coming up in the near future. I can't, I'm not going to lie, I think I've got the cla- a class team. That's mm. that's all I have to say. I think I've got a class team. That's all I have to say about the place. You know what I mean? For me, I, I think you're always on favourite to win this this season. I think, obviously, you've, you've, Rick Boogs, he's on TV every week, which is fair enough, but I think maybe maybe there is other people you could have picked instead of Rick Boogs, but it's, it, it doesn't matter when you've got Usos and Drew McIntyre at the top. I think once you've got them too, it doesn't doesn't really matter who you've got after that. You know, I, you know what I mean? You just need folk to prop up the team and just get you the kind of the points every so often. He's one of those put, the picks that will do that for you, I think. So, uh, as as much as we can rag on some of the picks you've made, I I, I don't think there's any denying that I, 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 if I'm making a claim right now, you will be the, the first three-time champion of the draft. I mean, it's hard to disagree there. Like, looking at it on paper, the Usos and Drew McIntyre in the past have proved to be massive gains, and Campbell has just got both of them. That and Orange Cassidy, who had a, an excellent season following the transfer window last season, he's going to be a, a very strong sort of mid-table performer, I'd say. And only to be propped up by the likes of Rick Boogs and Sonya Deville making regular appearances on SmackDown. Natalia is kind of just going to be there, but she's still going to get in points. So I think I have to agree with Jack. I think Goat's probably the odds on the early favourite to be the winner this season. Uh, Dave, you managed to pick third. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to go after you. I had to wait much later. But you took advantage of your position as well, despite the, the snake draft. you got the Young Bucks. Uh, Charlotte Flair, Shinsuke Nakamura, Ridge Holland, Red Velvet, and Ray Mysterio. I believe first time Ray's been picked as a singles competitor. Uh, Nakamura was picked by Ross and Jack in uh, the tag team season. Didn't do so well there. But, you know, he seems to be back in a potential you know, top spot as the ICIC champion. So he's much more valuable again. And uh, I think you're probably advised to not pick him round one. Charlotte Flair, she's been on your winning team before. Young Bucks, though, Dave, do you think, though, you may be at risk? Uh, are you still confident in them as a team, even if they lose it all out? Always. Like, because Young Bucks are a consistent feature of AEW TV, whether it's Dynamite or Rampage. Whether or not they hold the tag team titles or not, it's irrelevant. They're a consistent tag team. They're always picking up wins. And I think either way, whether they lose or win it all out, it doesn't matter. They're going to be featured anyway. And... Charlotte Flair and Shinsuke Nakamura have both been on my winning team before, the famous Nat Queen Cole from season three. So I've sort of, I sort of delved in, unintentionally delved into that pool there for my first two picks. And I like how, you know, people say I'm always playing it safe, but I'm liking to prove people wrong this time around because I've took a gamble on Ridge Holland making his first appearance in the draft. You know, someone who's had a lot of exposure on NXT after returning from injury. He's associated with the likes of Pete Dunne, Lorcan and Birch, and he's been picking up wins with ease as of late. So, why not ride that wave of momentum and sort of pick up and see where he lands amongst the amongst the rest of the, the veteran performers? Rey Mysterio, of course, is obviously a, a prominent feature on SmackDown. It looks like he might be feuding with Dominic at some point. Whether or not he wins or loses, again, it's irrelevant. He's going to be making appearances and he's going to be a regular feature. My only gamble, I think, might have been a bit of a regret was Red Velvet, given that, you know, I think she appears more on Dark and Dark Elevation. So, and I'm not too confident of her appearing as regularly on Rampage compared to the likes of, say, you know, Chris Statlander or Jade Cargo. But then again, the snake draft sort of screwed me over on that one. Dave's team worries me in all seriousness because not about it's not about the specific people carried over from that title team. It's the type of team that Dave wins with. 
Dave doesn't win with like an out like an out and out like top scorer or anything like that. He wins like through consistency in the team. And I look at that team like across the board, maybe Red Velvet aside, there's consistent appearances and potential wins across the season in that team. So it does it does worry me. I think Dave is a contender here. I think he's a very strong contender just because he's went back to what he knows and it's a strategy that is proved true to him time and time again. Uh, I I I don't like Red Velvet as a pick. Uh, I think Raymond Stevens is going to be a feature. I don't know how much he's going to going to wrestle, but I guess round five it's it's fine. I think much much the same as what anyone else says. It's, it seems like it's going to be a consistent team. I don't I don't think you'll win, but I think you'll be in and about it. Uh, we'll see. Through I think strong picks, basically given the position you guys were in, Red Velvet again. Yeah, question. But again, by that stage in the draft, female picks, especially ones that are going to be, are going to get you a lot of points going forward, were hard to kind of come by by the rounds of round four and five. Uh, then we got my team. I was in number fourteen. I was second last. I got uh, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter as my tie team. Uh, Miro, I got him back as my captain once again. I was very happy with that. Uh, Kaylee Ray, Lib Morgan, John Moxley, and Rebel, not Reba. Uh, as uh, my final pick, I, d- I noticed now that it is quite AEW heavy. I mentioned, you know, people like Grant had AEW like heavy teams before, and I noticed that. Uh, but you know, I was going to go with somebody else before getting Revel. But you know, if I just appear alongside Baker and Hater, I think if they're all things together, it's a wee bit extra point wise. And you know, Liv Morgan may be the only one I question here, given where I picked her. But yeah, when you look at people who are women who are picked after her. I don't see that many other female picks that are going to score much higher than her. I Even think if, that you get sorry, Scott. I just she came back in SmackDown last night. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Instantly, it made it a better pick for me because Car- Carmella even said that she was sitting gated for two months. You know, mm-hmm. um, but she's now back in the scene. The fans love her, and at the very least, she's probably going to get another card feud with like the likes of Vega or Carmella, and she's probably odds on to come out on top of that. So I look at your team. And it's a fascinating experiment because I can't call it. I don't know where that team's going to finish, but is it a bold swing? Good swings? Good picks for where you drafted? Absolutely. It's a mostly female team as well, which you don't see a lot of these days, given you know that you know the male superstars outweigh the females by quite a lot. Kaylee Ray, I think, was a very smart pick, given that she's just arrived in full sale and she's already picking up points uh, here and there. So I think that's a, a smart pick. Um the AEW sort of heavy leaning might not necessarily be a bad thing, but the fact that you've got Miro as your captain again, that's going to be your difference maker, Scott. Whether it's enough to win the season, I'm not entirely sure, but I think it's enough for at least a top half of the mm. table finish. Hashtag feminism. Uh, <laughs> I should be the SSR Women's Champion, clearly. But, uh, How dare you? And I'll, I'll say the Empower Sweeps. I will destroy destroy the other women in this podcast when I defend my ESSR Women's Championship. It's going to happen. Uh, you know, I think I was happy with taking Baker because, you know, I don't. I think she's going to retain it all out. So, I mean, sorry, Sarah, I think, has Chris Statlander. Yeah, so mm. she probably won't gain points for her winning a match. But also, nobody benefits from my championship points because I've taken another singles competitor off the board, which has become the a key strategy for a lot of people in terms of the tag team round. Miro started kind of calling people out rather than them challenging him for the title. 
and he's got a match with Eddie Kingston, I believe, for the title. He's challenged Kingston for a match at All Out, so maybe the championship defence will be more regular than they were towards the end of last season, and they could happen across both Dynamite and Rampage. John Moxley recently challenged Kojima for a match at All Out, which he's definitely going to win. Uh, Liv Morgan, I was putting a lot of my faith on in her, mainly because of this supposed Queen of the Ring. I think she could be a, a dark horse for it. And Kaylee yeah, is really dependent on how this feud with Gonzalez goes, because if she loses that, then, you know, maybe I should have put her down a couple of rounds. But, you know, these were both... I think I had to get Kaylee in the second round, at least any female in the second round, because I thought if I wait till it comes back to me in the third round, I'm going to have even less to pick from. Yeah. And I think there were a couple of people who probably wanted Kaylee, so I was happy to get in there first. Did well. Did well with that. Mm-hmm. But now we come to last season's winner. They get guy who had to draft last and an interesting team. Mansoor and Ali is your tag team. That's going to be all dependent on what happens in Saudi Arabia time. Uh, Andrade, <laughs> El Idolo, Alexa Bliss, Baron Corbin, or Happy Corbin, he's been called now, Jade Cargill, and Taz. Now, out of all the like fourth and fifth round kind of female picks, I think the one who will probably stand out above all of them probably will be Jade Cargill. Because when we see. When she does wrestle, she wrestled quite dominantly. When she wrestled on Rampage last week against Gear Hogan, she bloody squashed the woman. Uh, Corbin, though, you know, you gotta wonder, you know, with the whole story of his luck being up and in, you don't know where that's gonna go. But Jack, talk me through Mansoor and Ali as a tag team. Well, I'll talk you through Mansoor and Ali as a tag team, Scott. Absolutely, I think that uh, I knew at this at this point that I was I was gonna be pretty gubbed for tag teams and obviously Street Profits have kind of returned last night and they seem to be going in a tag team picture but I don't see the Usos, Usos dropping it and I've, I've been watching Raw recently and as shite as it's been Mansoor and Ali's kind of been a bit of a, a bit of a bright spot and a bleak show and they're kind of they're getting backstage appearances that when they're not they've won the tag matches they've been in and when they've had their single matches they've been supporting each other and obviously when we do have this Saudi Arabia pay-per-view, in whatever capacity Mansoor is going to be in, hopefully in a tag match with Ali for the Raw tag titles, the Princes won't allow Mansoor to lose. Whether they <laughs> drop it soon after, you know what I mean? I, I think they will win the Raw tag titles and I think it will probably cause a split for RK Bro or something like that. I I, I just I, I think that I, I am ready to be proven somewhat right on my on my tag team pick, I'm answering Ali. Hmm. It's interesting, you know. You got Andrade in there. I would have thought somebody might have went with Andrade and Chavo as a tag team, but nobody took that. I mean, we got Andrade in a match with Pack at all out. Uh, Gamble, Hockney, uh, you guys got any like what I call it? And Jack, considering he was again yeah in last place, so he also had the, the snake, snake like draft to take advantage of. Hmm. I think he's played a blinder by taking. Baron Corbin at this stage, given that you know he's finally, you know, transitioned into Happy Corbin. He's rich. He's got the hat on. He's got money. He's got, you know, a little bit of the bubbly. I, I'm liking this new direction for Corbin. I think it's going to pay off pretty well. Andrade as well. I think I'm expecting him to defeat de- Pack all out. Maybe align himself with the Lucha Brothers at some point. But the Mansoor Ali tag team really caught me by surprise because he's taking Crown Jewel into consideration given that it's going to be in this draft season. And I like what Jack's thinking here. I don't think they'll allow Mansoor to lose in Saudi Arabia because he's yet to lose at a Crown Jewel or a Super Showdown 
pay-per-view and partnering him with Ali going forward, there is potential for big points there. Mm-hmm. I think that Jack has done the best that he could from the position he's drafted, and he has got himself a mid-table team. Drafted from last, and that's no slight on Jack, drafted from last in a, a, a pool of 15, you'd expect him to finish at the lower half of the table. That's why the winner drafts last next season. They try and balance things out. But he's got a team that's going to run. He's got a team that's going to be on TV. He's got a team that's going to get some wins. He's got a good working car there, Scott. Mm-hmm. But there's not enough diesel in the engine <laughs> to just get it up the top half of the table. Not enough girth there. You know what I mean? I think it's a good team. It's a solid team from where they drafted. But for me, the team finishes mid-table. And if you finish above mid-table, Jack, you finish in that upper half, you should pat yourself in the back, son, because it's a tough feat yeah, drafting from where you did. Yeah, I'd pat myself in the back if I finish mid-table. You know I mean? <laughs> exactly. Because uh, considering how big this this thing is, if I finish mid-table, I'll I'll finish like seven positions above where I drafted. And that's exactly. that's, that's unheard of in, exactly. in, in this draft. And I think from where I have, as you said, I think I have drafted amazingly. Yes. Like Mansour and Ali, he's going to do great. And Draddy Alito, he won't wrestle his first match until all out. And also I'll put the captaincy on him where I expect him to win. But I think after that, he probably will appear and wrestle regularly. Alexa Bliss, she'll probably lose to Charlotte Flair, but she's, she appears like three times a show. Baron Corbin mm-hmm. probably will lose matches on TV, but he'll win every so often. And he's appearing like three, four times a show. Jade yeah. Cargill's going to squash however she faces when she wrestles. Taz appears like twice in Dynamite and will be on Rampage Country. So that's like near three points a week with him as well, which is like a TV one. I'm very happy. Very, very happy. Yeah, Taz could be a really strong appearance point getter for you as well. Gonna, I think he might do more regularly for you than like Excalibur that might do for guy because he might get him like one show but he won't get the interview points for Shivani if, if he's not appearing with JR so I think he might be on the better side of the commentators pick and you know about the amount of how you finish and how many compared to this season how many teams there are there's an extra five teams worth of competitors which also makes it harder for you when you get to the final rounds but it also means that when we get to the top three above all other seasons the top three really then have to be people who have had good weeks like good performances that we can have to stand out above everybody else mm. when, you, when we look at the top three this season. So that's going to be very interesting. Interesting. It's an exciting season. It's one of the most unpredictable. I've talked about it. I've been calling for this snake draft for ages because the snake draft is the great equaliser. This is now a season where you can't quite call an outright winner. I'm confident. But the snake draft, like I say, balances things out. It'll be a tasty season in season 10. Mm-hmm. And he's all about like using Crown Joker's like Queen and King of the Ring finals if they do happen are rumored to be on that show as well. And you know, there's always they do try and put on like featured matches on those cards and that's gonna be late October. So I think coming out of Crown Joker by that point in the season, that's when I think one will potentially know where the season may be swinging. But the road to there will be a very fun one. I can't wait for it. I'm sure you guys can't wait for it. The rest of the guys in the SSR, both the listeners they got in the main league, can't wait for it. And hopefully you listening, uh can't wait for it either and we thank you for listening to this longer than usual episode of Saturday Night Live but you know this is what happens we have to analyse everybody's team individually <laughs> and given there's more teams this season than there have been before well we, we, we weekly we do try and keep it to you know a shorter you know analysis based show and we hope you'll tune in every Saturday going forward when we have a rotating file to get two out of the four of us each and every week unless we have a big uh, important show like this where all four of us unite uh, 
Channel 4 news team towards the end of Anchorman. <laughs> Fitting for me. <laughs> uh, we thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll uh, check out the Draft Selection Show on our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash YouTube uh, retweet. And also check out Quiz Showdown, as I mentioned, the recent one, Quiz Showdown 13, Can You Feel the Heat? Uh, book it. There's an episode coming out tomorrow, me versus Jack. Uh, that'll be exciting. Uh, sometime early in September, uh, we'll begin to record the next Quiz Showdown at Quiz Showdown 14, which will be a TV-based one, hosted by Ross. We can't wait to see what happens there. Uh, and check out our uh, past episodes of, uh, of Saturday Draft Live, our feature shows. A recent one came up about the best moments from TakeOver Brooklyn. And we've got some exciting ones to come in the coming weeks. Aces are central. It's a bit later this week, so we'll come out later today because it got moved because on the Wednesday we had to record our everybody to be on to make their picks for the selection show so nobody was available to then go and do central. But it'll be out later today with Frost and David. And uh, East Meets West also be back very soon with another episode. But just, I think that's everything. I think make sure you follow us on Twitter at Subledge Retreat and Facebook, Facebook and Instagram as well. Join our community page. We've just got so much going on for you. Uh, I right, thank you guys for all being here together. Uh, thank you, David Hockney. Thank you. Uh, thank you, David Campbell. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Jack Green. Thanks, my man. Thank you. And to all of you, I wish you the best of luck. I definitely am not actively rooting against you. Goodbye. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.